off season is heating up, and we are joined by our first guest since the season ended, Rahef Issa. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Rahef. Thank you guys so much for having me. We have been planning to have you on for a while. Uh, once upon a time, we were hoping to bring you on as one of many guests that we would be able to chat with over the course of a long and glorious playoff run. Um, and we were able to record a total of one podcast during said run. <laughs> um, so I, I thought it might be nice to start with a question from a member of our Patreon community, Trevor, who asked shortly after, uh, the Leafs were knocked, are the Leafs cursed and what must be done to satisfy the curse? Uh, where do you stand on the, the curse question, Rahef? Um, Absolutely. The Leafs are cursed. There is no um, non-curse related answer <laughs> yeah. to what we saw in the in the playoffs this season. There, just is, there is no explanation that to me can be justified without using the word curse. I just don't I just don't think it's possible. I, and I, I, I can't even begin to unwrap what happened without you know, putting all the blame on a curse because otherwise I, I just, I don't know what to even say. I'm still, it's been like two months and I still can't. I still yeah, can't I, I can't go back to watch. What? It still feels like yeah, yesterday. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> there's no point in trying to break down tape. I know it's just, it's, it's yeah. curse yeah. stuff. Um, like there's I a, mean, the captain almost died on the ice, like 10 minutes into the damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the lineup that are, that the GM that I believe we all kind of believe in and, support and and kind of you know have been uh, it's a, they've assembled a team that i think we're all pretty happy with that we're on the ice for a grand total of about five minutes together um yeah <laughs> there's just so many but things. and it's and not it's, just the the season it's like it's this like groundhog day slash charlie brown yes. kicking the football element right where it's like you're kind of watching the, the same car crash play out over and over and it's like it's like you can't believe that you just witnessed it, even though you know it's the only thing that you could have witnessed. You know, yeah. Like, did any of you have any hope going into Game Seven after what we saw in Games Five and Six? Like, we've all seen that movie mm-hmm. way too many yeah, times. Yeah, right? I've I've said it before, and I know this sounds extremely like fatalistic and very cynical, but <laughs> as soon as Game Five ended, I just knew. I just knew Everybody there's, did. there's, there's yeah. absolutely yeah. no way it's not happening. <laughs> it is cynical of me, but I'm, I've, I know the Leafs and, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, et cetera, et cetera. This is like the 10th time it feels like, so <laughs> I will not be fooled. <laughs> as soon as I saw, as soon as I saw Galchenyuk, like hold on to the puck a little bit and not just like, like I, that he didn't even, he didn't even th- make the turnover yet. And I was like, it's, it's, it's over. Like the pressure was coming back. It was just, just traumatized. And, and of point. course it has to be like that type of, you know, turnover, oh, that type yeah. of way to lose a game. Honestly, yeah. I had flashbacks to 2013, like Dion Phaneuf overtime. I think it was game four uh, of the Boston series. Oh, like yeah. it, it was just too much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like the the logo at that point just becomes an anchor that gets heavier as the team gets closer to actually <laughs> being able to eliminate a, a playoff opponent, and it's just anybody. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. Um, it's, it's hard to laugh at at other teams, certainly when things are the way they are, and when a team hires a, a person that 
the Ottawa Senators, the <laughs> provincial rival of the Leafs, decided to hire this week. You know, it's 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 hard to sit there and, and try not to laugh. Uh, and, but Keith, you had a, you had a great tweet, and um, I mean, I, I look, I'm very much enjoying the fact that Pierre Maguire is now part of the, that organization. I'm not even going to pretend like I'm afraid of the bad karma that comes from that but uh, Keith you're not on the same page are you yeah I, exactly it's like I I obviously this is hilarious like there's there it's it's objectively <laughs> a hilarious thing to have have happened in the offseason something I like think it's Pierre Maguire rumors have been around for like years, right? Like, oh, some idiot front yeah. office is going to hire Pierre Maguire, and it happened. And there's no more perfect and fit. It happened, and it was fucking <laughs> Eugene Melnick. Like, it couldn't be better. It's perfect, but I'm I can't bring myself to like get too. I don't know, like make fun of it too much because I know, like I said, like they're gonna. They're going to, you know, something, they, they won't make the playoffs next year. Dor- Dorian will get fired. Pierre Maguire will become the GM. He'll hire or he'll sign a bunch of Eric and Bransons and they'll fucking go on a Cinderella run. And I will <laughs> never watch hockey again. But I, I just, I don't know. That, it sucks. Like, I, like I, this is, I, I should be able to enjoy the Ottawa Senators doing stupid things, but I've been robbed of that. <laughs> and this is why. <laughs> Once again, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the source of all of our problems. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's it is tough. It's tough. Now, I said at the end of our last Patreon episode that I am growing more optimistic. And I I, I think I know why, like, even though, it, you know, it, as devastating an end to the season as it was now, that the playing is over and like the constant reminder of the failure is no longer on my TV screen every night. Um like the the focus kind of shifts to the off season, and we remember how many bad executives are in this league. Um, mm. Edmonton gives something for nothing to get Duncan Keith and all of his contract. Uh, Minnesota buying out Zach Parise and Ryan Suter to save a bit of money for the coming season, and all it costs them is a dead cap commitment for the following three seasons. That is so insanely steep. I cannot wrap my head around why they would do it. Um, Which of those moves is worse? Like, which one grades lower on the scale? Because to me, this is like Lord of the Rings, like Gandalf versus the Balrog (laughs) fighting to like the depths of hell forever in terms of two just awful moves. $14.3 million in dead cap space for two straight years for the Minnesota Wild. You like, can't win with that. That's impossible. No, th- there's no way. Like They're gonna, going to have a hard time even icing a, a team, really. I believe it's 14.7, it, Nick, maybe? 14 points. Just fact check. So they're going to have more money in dead cap for those two seasons than what the highest paid player in the NHL makes. <laughs> That's ugly. Yeah. Very yeah, ugly. That, the, the Wilder... I I can't fathom what made them come to that decision. I I don't understand it at all. And we I think we all knew like back when those contracts were signed that like the day of reckoning w- would come, but like mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it's still hard to believe that they're committed to having that much dead cap space. It, I, I mean, the Leafs have one more season of Kessel's retained salary at 1.2 million, which sometimes feels like a bit of a burden. I can't imagine nearly 15 million like you just committed to 
being trash for three seasons, haven't you? Like, I, I don't know how you maneuver around that. What well, I saw somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who it was now, um, but like kind of equating that, like, if, if that, if this was done to be able to afford to sign Dumba, then like Dumba is going to be by far, like, if you in like aggregate the dead cap space that was because of him onto what he ends up getting, he's going to be like by far the highest played player in the league. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Here's one. Uh, I, I looked at just the numbers a few seasons ahead for the 24-25 season, which is the last of this insanely um, prohibitive buyout. Um, so the Wild will have $33.5 million. Currently, they have that committed for that season. Um, which is basically exactly the same cap hit as the Leafs have committed to Matthews, Tavares, and Marner. Um, they have that much committed to the buyouts plus three players. So instead of Matthews, Tavares, and Marner, the three players are Joel Erickson Eck, Jared Spurgeon, and Jonas Brodeen. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that's not good. It's not ideal. No. So good luck. Billy Guerin. Yeah, that's a shame. I, Minnesota had such a nice season too, and like they've got the excitement of Kaprizov there. I, like, what, what's going on with him? Is he going to stick around? Is he bowling back to the KHL? I, I just kind of feel for them with the situation they're in after having such a, a promising year. Yeah, a lot of fans in Minnesota for sure. So that's great uh, hockey city, yeah, man. Yeah. Um. So let's let's get into the Leafs, and now that we feel maybe a little bit better about the situation in the off season, even though the <laughs> Leafs are you know a little strapped down, like at least you can kind of try to continue to maybe make it work around some pretty talented guys, uh, whatever failings they may have had. Um, so we want to talk about free agents, um, specifically unrestricted. Um, and I guess the, the first question is, you know, the Leafs have already brought back a, a number of guys. Jason Spezza, we expected. Wayne Simmons uh, signed on for another two years as well. Um, do we expect to see any more of these guys sign on? And obviously, you know, the expansion draft kind of plays into not only this, but any trades that, that might have been, you know, held up that might have already happened were it not for that expansion draft. But um, I, I wonder if we'll see any more of these guys because it, it kind of feels like you know you've got two sides of this coin here right like um why are we running this back on the one side but then on the other side being had a hell of a regular season and we're going to have to have another hell of a regular season to make just to make the playoffs in in the division um so it kind of makes sense for some of them but i think we established we don't want to see joe thornton back on our last episode (laughs) that that ship has probably sailed uh are there any guys you know from from the current roster that that you might like to see back um still um to be honest no i think we signed who i wanted to see a sign which was jason spezza um mm-hmm. wayne simmons i'm at the contract that he signed the 900k is also fine with me but i mean i don't necessarily have my hopes up for zach hyman i don't think we're going to be able to sign him i mean what do you guys think you think we'll be able to make it work? I I don't think it's going to work. So other than Zach Hyman, I mean, strangely enough, I can almost see ourselves maybe possibly bringing back Zach Bogosian if he plays in the same type of role that he played in this season. Um, but other than that, I I don't see 
than bringing back anybody else. What would you say if I told you that Alex Galchenyuk had more points per 60 minutes at even strength than Zach Hyman did? I believe it, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I could I could believe that, but... Okay, you're going to make a case for Alex Galchenyuk, I'm, I'm going to assume. Well, I just I think that there's still a conversation to be had around that post expansion draft. Maybe, uh, like maybe as, as a, a third line guy, not someone that they're trying to you know shoehorn into the top six like they were forced to last season. Mm-hmm. I think it'll kind of all depend on, on what kind of salary he's looking for. But if we're talking about like potentially cheap scoring depth, I think he's still a worthwhile option. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see that as well. Especially if there's not much money out there. Um, I think it's going to be a tight market too, right? So the, the, those low-end guys, like... Maybe, they might get squeezed. Yeah, maybe you like to just come back to the familiar situation. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. I don't think there's going to be a lot of money out there. Where are you guys at on Felino? I was That's who I was going to bring up. I think he'll be too expensive. I, I think he'll be too... Exactly. I think he'll be too expensive or... I I think it was kind of like a uh, unspoken thing, like in maybe not with him or anything, but just in the media and just kind of the buzz around it was that he was just going to go back to Columbus. So like maybe he doesn't even entertain a, a team, but I, you would have to think that he feels like there's a bit of unfinished business. Like uh, I just don't know what number it works for him. I have no idea. He's old. He doesn't really contribute much offensively. That like I mean. He's still a great defensive forward and he, and he brings kind of that element that, you know, maybe was lacking a bit or whatever, but can he stay healthy is another question. Yeah. I mean, what is he? He's 34. He'll be 34 next year. And a guy with a lot of miles on his body, that's not a young 34. Like, I don't know. What, what do you like? What kind of contract do you see him getting? Well, first of all, my question would be why, would he want to go back to Columbus? It, you'd think that he's a, a guy that is still hungry for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, but it's young, and, young, uh, kids, in, young kids in school, wife, from there, yeah, like, it, that stuff matters. Good, yeah, good point. And everyone has different priorities for sure. But I, I think your point about him feeling like maybe there's some unfinished business in Toronto is a good one. He seemed really excited to be there and have that opportunity. And he you know, really didn't get it. No, um, but, but I, I think it's all going to come down to dollars. I, I don't know w- what kind of valuation do you place on what he's able to contribute at this point, Rav? I think it all depends on where he would be playing in the lineup. Like, would he be playing on on a second line with Tavares and Nylander, or is he going to be strictly third line? Because just on the third line, considering that he's you know he's not here for offense, you know those days of Nick Foligno or pretty much behind him um what can he really contribute for the Leafs on the third line like how much can we afford to pay him if he's going to be playing there so I I think it depends I'm not sure to be honest yeah and I think there's probably some valid concerns about there already being a bit of a lack of offense from the bottom six so maybe that's not the 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 way you want to go and just kind of going back to Galchenyuk for a second I think like if either of them are re-signed it's one of them and definitely not both yeah yeah i don't think they're going to be similar contracts though you know or cap hits or anything like i still see somebody giving felino like a three million dollar ticket yeah i was gonna say if i I think if you see maybe kerfoot go to seattle what would the leafs turn around and maybe try to give that money to uh felino like 3.5 ish like would that 
be a possibility. I don't know. But if they trade Kerfa, I would hope to see them bring in someone with a little more, I don't know, more of an impact on the third line. I don't yeah. know if Mick Foligno is yeah. necessarily going to do that. No. Yeah, we need a, a new driver on that third line, and that's something that we've talked about a lot on this show. And, and if Kerfoot's going to stick around, it's probably as a winger. So I think that, you know, no matter what happens here, they're still kind of looking for that new driver on the third line. Definitely. And that's probably not Nick Foligno. Yeah. I'll throw in one more name um, from the current group. I, I think, Raf, I think I agree. And I think we all probably agree that we could see Bogosian, like, as soon as that expansion draft is done, I could see him inking up a deal for another year. Um, but Th- that'll probably have a lot to do with who the Leafs end up losing in the expansion draft, it, right? Like if it ends up yeah. being a Justin Hall or Travis Dermott, I think that pretty clearly paves the way for a Bogosian mm-hmm. return. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy I could potentially see who's kind of maybe a little out of left field, Ben Hutton. I, I didn't mind in the little bit of action that he got. I kind of thought we were going to see him in the playoffs. If, if, you know, maybe they had stuck around, maybe we would have, um, but, but, you know, I think that it, it's probably a tough market out there for uh, defensive depth. And if you can kind of add a guy who's like, you know, number seven and, and comes in knowing that, you know, may, it, maybe there's going to be someone. He played some decent minutes in Anaheim. So maybe there's kind of a bottom of the barrel team who's going to actually have minutes for him. But, you know, if if, if he would come back as a depth option, that might be um, someone I'd, I'd consider. He's someone that Dubas is you know been rumored to have been after for a couple of off seasons now too that's so right. it wouldn't be overly surprising to see them retain him he can kill penalties eh? i believe that's one of the things that he's like above average at like above replacement level at yeah um so none of us thought that they're gonna bring back freddie anderson shocker that's how much i thought about it yeah um so there were some rumors already moved on from that (laughs) there were rumblings uh that you know the the anderson camp had kind of been in touch with the leafs and you know maybe there was some some discussion and some openness to a return um i i just don't see how it works money wise like obviously the 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 situation is there for a guy who could split time with campbell but like i we talked about this previously in the season like i i don't see how freddie comes back to toronto to be that guy like maybe he'd take that position elsewhere but i, I just don't see him returning to to a place where he was the guy for so long and uh, you know just to kind of be the one b and and again the money is is also a big part of it the only reason i could see freddie because i thought about that too about like this is the place like i mean it's not an easy place to play as a goalie you know you kind of lost your job in pretty dramatic fashion to to campbell would you even want to subject yourself to coming back kind of tail between your legs and and playing as the backup but also on the flip side maybe you know he's looking at it as campbell's not necessarily a proven commodity and he could very well falter next year and then he could just walk right back into a starting job. Like that's the only way that I think that it would make sense from his standpoint is he's looking at it like at least have one goalie and he hasn't played that many games in the NHL. And the minute that, you know, he slips, the, the net would be kind of open back up for him again. But there's no way that it makes, like, that's just Freddie's camp. Like I don't see any way that, that Kyle Dubas entertains that just simply because of the fact that, there's way too many holes up front to fill right now. Yeah, yeah. M- money-wise for the Leafs, I just don't see any w- world in which bringing back Freddie Anderson works for us. I just don't. Like, I, I don't see a way. 
in which they can. No, because he's he's not going to take a million million and a half or something like that. So it's, it just won't work. No, and if there's still questions about you know potentially you know the sample size with Campbell and all that, and he could still fall off. I don't know why the the belief would be placed in Freddie Anderson to to be that insurance policy if that does indeed happen after what we've seen out of him for the last two seasons. I I just think it's so clearly time to move on for all parties. Yeah, and we've talked about bringing back the band here. Like you know, it, it, we could use some new blood in some areas certainly, and and feels like a, an obvious one to to kind of move on from. Um, Another um, rumor that kind of surfaced in the last week or so, Taylor Hall um, supposedly is is open to uh, a deal, a long-term deal with the Leafs. Of course, there were, you know, talks about potentially that happening at the trade deadline. Um, Rahef, I know that you were an advocate of, of Taylor Hall over over Nick Foligno, as, as we were, I think, as well, until the deal was done, at which point we spinelessly uh, acquiesced <laughs> to, to Kyle Dubas and his will. And, Rahef, you actually stood by your convictions. Uh, it, yes, I got a lot of hate for that. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly, yeah. Um, yeah, the... Uh, I can't believe you didn't uh, just bow to the uh, the authority like, uh, like we did, but... Um, is he someone you could still see fitting in with the Leafs? Um, is there a contract to maybe be had there? Here's the thing. I think that Taylor Hall coming to the Leafs would be um, not only just an excellent story, but I genuinely think that he could help a lot of the problems that the Leafs seem to be having in the playoffs, which is that they simply don't score when they need to. They, they and, and the thing I keep battling with myself is like, if Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner aren't scoring in the playoffs when you need them to, like, why would Taylor Hall somehow fix that? I just feel like um, it wouldn't hurt to bring in somebody like Taylor Hall. Um, and I think the Leafs genuinely do need more depth up front. I and mean, if we did bring Taylor Hall, in, maybe we could explore putting Nylander on the third line. And now I've, I've always advocated for keeping him, up, keeping him up on the first two lines. But... We already know that our third line, we, we don't get a lot of production from them. There's there's just not a lot in, in Kerfoot right now as the third line center. So maybe we could explore moving Nylander down. I just think it brings a lot of possibilities for the Leafs. So in my ideal situation is that we would we would bring in Taylor Hall. We would sign Taylor Hall. I just, again, I keep looking at the cap and I just don't know how it would work considering all the holes we, the Leafs still have up front. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you do if you do it, you're pretty much patching four to five roster spots, like no more than a million, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you're. I agree. Like it, 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 he does seem like a, a perfect player to plug into the top six to play with with one of the two big centers, but it just doesn't. I couldn't get the numbers to work at you know at any even with a really generous like cap hit that he's you know could sign at this summer it's just it seems it seems tough to make something like that work yeah it would almost take um like a a hometown discount you know the the level to which even zach hyman wouldn't be willing to take right so it's tough Mm -hmm. um yeah but maybe Taylor Hall is at the point in his career, you know, things haven't gone so great for him in the last couple of years. Think about how much he's kind of moved around and 
had no real security. Yeah, Zach Zach Hyman hasn't had a payday. That's that's a good uh, kind of counter to that, right? Zach Hyman hasn't had that chance to go out and land the big and contract. he has earned it. Man. And Hall has. And he's he's mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And just kind of going back to what Keith had mentioned about Felino earlier and the fact that, you know, all these players have different priorities. Taylor Hall could very well be at the point in his life where he's willing to, you know, take a little bit less in terms of dollars to be somewhere closer to home and know that he's going to be there for a long time. I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what Taylor Hall is looking for in a contract or anything like that, but I don't think it's entirely out of the realm of possibility that there's some kind of union to be had here. And there's still money that could potentially be shifted out by the Leafs before free agency hits, right? Like, you know, the Kerfoot's three and a half million could be gone. There's still been rumors floating around about Morgan Riley and his status going into next season, whether they're going to sign him or just hold on to him or, or try to move him before losing him for nothing. I, I don't think that it's it's totally impossible that Taylor Hall and Leafs could work out some kind of deal. And he would really would be a great fit for some of the problems that they've had in the playoffs, you know, getting clogged up in the neutral zone the way that they did against Montreal way too much. Taylor Hall's a guy that can transport the puck. Yeah. So, I, I think that Rahef is right. He would definitely answer a lot of the questions to the problems that this forward group is having up front. I think it just kind of becomes about what else you're able to do beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's re- like he maybe rehabilitated his value enough in Boston that he's not coming in as Buffalo Taylor Hall into free agency. I know yeah. he kind of got shut down a little bit towards the end of the series of the Islanders, but like, he had a good little run there in Boston, and, and I think he put himself on display enough that you know he'd have to willingly take a lot less because I'm sure somebody's going to offer more than Toronto can. It is interesting that his, um, you know, even though he may have rehabilitated his value a bit, he's still, um, you know, this year and last, even as an Ontario guy who is like as close to his prime as any unrestricted free agent gets um, a guy who's you know only a few years removed from an MVP uh, Toronto is a market that like loves to see its boys come home you you would think there'd be a little more hype for for Taylor Hall over the last couple of seasons and I know there's been a bit but uh, it, it could you know potentially be that like um, there's just sort of been a dark cloud surrounding Taylor Hall yeah. for so long doesn't it feel that way like just right from the trade in, in Edmonton maybe even before that it, it also kind of feels, though, like, um, you know, the kind of move that we could look back on in a, a couple of years, like if, if they do go and land him to some dark horse free agent contract this summer for, say, two or three seasons, um, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe he is like and that's it, because there are so few guys who look like game breakers on the market. Um, I think the I think the lack and, of buzz is kind of twofold, though. I think it's everybody kind of understands even a, yeah. even the casual hockey fan understands that the Leafs don't have cap space and if anything the casual ho- hockey fan like overstates like that the Leafs are just fucked cap wise when it's like <laughs> Mo, they're not fucked like most teams are in kind of similar situations but it's it's that and it's also like yes the Toronto market loves when their boy comes home but we just had that a couple of years ago so it's kind of like the appetite's been kind of like you know What's the word I'm looking for? There's a good word right now. Sati- satiated for a yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah. Fancy. This is, yeah. this is why we need you on, Rahef. We need you to uh, upgrade her vocabulary here a little bit. We're, we're struggling. Let me submit. What if 
what if the key to the Leafs curse is to bring in someone equally cursed? <laughs> there and, you go. And, I like that. <laughs> now okay. we're getting somewhere. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, that could like be that. the solution, really, to that's our That's probably problem. the smartest thing that's been said on this podcast since we've ever <laughs> started recording something. Yeah, almost certainly. Raph might break, break that record a couple of times today. It's it's a pretty low bar. Um, <laughs> so so moving from one, one guy who is like, you know, again, impact guy, don't know how we're going to make the cap work, Dougie Hamilton. Um, the biggest <laughs> fish fairy tale. out there right yeah. now, and it's funny, right? How the how the conversation has shifted from, uh, you know, Alex Petrangelo. It was gotta have him, and now here we are, Dougie Hamilton, a year later, and it's you know, it, it, I mean, I guess again, this is part and parcel with the fact that the Leafs just don't have the room, arguably. But I, it's also kind of why I, I think that you know th- there hasn't been much talk on it, but. Um, I, I I would have a hard time believing that Kyle Dubas isn't sniffing around Dougie Hamilton, given you know how hard they went after Alex Petrangelo. Given you know this is a, a guy who's younger, arguably a bigger impact. Um, you know you'd have to do a lot to make it work. But uh, Rahef, like, what are your thoughts? Because I, I know you're you're an advocate for get get the skill, load up on skill. Um, and h- how do you feel about the, the possibility of Dougie Hamilton on the Leafs? Dougie Hamilton is like my dream defenseman. Um, and, and cause I think everybody knows I'm like a little bit of a nerd. He's just the perfect, <laughs> honestly, the perfect defenseman. He drives play. He's, he's, I, I think he would be what the Leafs need. He's like Morgan Riley, but with the, probably the the defense of, of, of a Jake Muzzin. He's he's incredible. And I wanted <laughs> I wanted Dougie Hamilton from from around the time when we got Jake Muzzin. Because there were rumors of the Leafs, you know, when we were making those before that Jake Muzzin trade. Like are the Leafs sniffing around Dougie Hamilton, Carolina, especially with Kapanen, we were looking like, oh, is Kyle Dubas going to trade Kapanen? Um I think there's been a lot of rumors and he he feels like a Kyle Dubas guy. And I think he oh, would. Yeah. I think he would just be so good for the Leafs. But again, it's similar to the Taylor Hall discussion. Just how how could we make it work money wise? I don't. It's it's very difficult. Well, we're all here talking about all the holes that need to be filled up front, right? And if anything, right now we'd be kind of trying to find a way to allocate more of that salary cap space to to what's up front. I just don't see a world in which Dougie Hamilton can come in and we don't have even less money to spend up front. That's even if, you know, Morgan Riley's going out the other way. Dougie Hamilton's going to cost more than the $5 million that Morgan Riley's making right now. I, it's, I, I think you're right. He is 100% a Kyle Dubas kind of guy. And, you know, if we go all the way back to an ill-fated move many years ago, Dougie Hamilton is rightfully oh, ours, or should have been. Don't <laughs> go there, Speaking of being cursed... Uh, it would be a great homecoming, and if we're talking about guys that would make a bigger, or who would make the bigger impact as the the hometown boy coming back, it would, it would almost certainly be Dougie Hamilton, just because I think he's that much of a more impactful and better player than the Taylor Hall is. It, I just don't see how this team, with the way that the the salary structure is, and the fact that the cap isn't going to be really moving too much in the next couple of seasons. I don't think that they can really 
commit to spending more on the on the blue line than they are at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. You're right. It doesn't even take a Morgan Riley trade. It would take a bigger like it would take like a Mariner type of move to or like up, a Nylander. To, yeah, mm-hmm. to free up enough space to be able to fill in some blanks after acquiring an eight to nine million dollar defenseman. Yeah, there's just no way it 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 doesn't make sense. The, the Leafs would just be unbelievably i would say top heavy at that point their their whole team would be basically five players it would be dougie yeah. hamilton matthews Tavares, marner and that's essentially it. everybody else would be million dollar players at defense and at forward yeah you'd have like 12 like alex galchenyuk's essentially yeah exactly that's the best <laughs> you could do yeah going even more top heavy would be hard to envision right now but i I gotta think that they're going to investigate it because uh, he would fix uh, a few problems like you know you you get the big shot on the point and obviously that's not something that you remake your team for but uh, you know you talk about the play driving defenseman obviously um you know the leafs had a, a fantastic defensive unit last season for you know what felt like the first time in ever um and and (laughs) And how so? I guess that's like how quickly do we forget how how important defense is to to the structure too, right? And like it feels like um, you know, obviously you've got Jake Muzzin, you've got T.J. Brody, um, you know, Riley would almost certainly be a goner if if Hamilton comes in, but like you have to kind of protect against like an aging defense core at some point two right like I, I mean these guys still probably have a few years left but um it, it just it, it would really hurt to get to a point in a couple of seasons where jake muzzin has dropped off a bit tj brody's dropped off a bit and uh dougie hamilton's flourishing in seattle or whatever and you you passed on the opportunity um i don't know that'd be tough to swallow i think i agree i mean yeah like that's there's just unfortunately a hard cap. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's it. Thing. It's, like, it's, it's I, I just don't see how you do it. I agree with everything you're saying. Like it all is, it's exactly the type. This is the type of player you break the bank for in free agency. Like the, the, it's, it's the Dougie Hamilton's and the John Tavares's of the world. Like you don't, these are the times you write like, you know, big ass checks on, on July one or not July one anymore, but whatever. Like it's, it's, it's not the Andrew lads and Louis Erickson's and shit like that. It's, this is the time to spend. You're a hundred percent right, Keith. But I, I just kind of want to say on, on Cam's point that I totally forget what I was going to say on Cam's point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> okay. I think, I think of the two, uh, personally, I think the more, the, the better fit would be Taylor Hall in my opinion, just because we have more holes up front than we have on defense. And I yeah. think money wise, it would be simpler, but still very difficult. Um, that, that, that's what I think would be more realistic of the two dream scenarios. Yeah, totally. I, I remember what I was going to say about Cam's point. There you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> Cam, you were talking about, you know, sort of having to protect against an aging defense core in the coming seasons. I, I, I don't think that that's a mentality that Dubas can operate under right now when you've got, you know, we've got three years left before Austin Matthews yeah. is an unrestricted free agent. They've got to do everything they can to maximize the overall quality of this team and, and not be thinking about three or four years from now and, and protecting against some of the assets they have right now potentially declining. I, I think that we can all agree that this team is already maybe a bit too top-heavy. 
if anything, they need to be able to get more out of the bottom part of their lineup, especially up front. I, I think that there needs to be some a bit more scoring depth and just overall impact. Like Ilya Mikheyev creates a lot of scoring chances, but other than that, he doesn't do a, hell, a whole hell of a lot. Alex Kerfoot looked fine in a top six role. Never really gave us what we wanted on the third line. Pierre Engvall, well, I don't even want, want to talk about Pierre Engvall anymore. <laughs> but the, the point is, I, I just think that they need to be trying to maximize the depth on this team to protect against another cold streak from the stars at the wrong time of the year rather than protecting against potentially aging assets in the future. They need a third line that can score. Like they, yeah. like I, at I least know, a little bit. I, yeah, I, like, like I know that that was a huge like area of focus for Keith in the off season was having a third line that was a, a shutdown checking line. But like, it's just, and again, a lot of this has to do with the fact that Tavares got hurt. But like, as soon as everybody just zoned in on one line, it, it was very obvious that they just didn't have like a plan B. Like they, like there's just there was no two in the one-two punch like it was just all Matthews and Marner and if they couldn't do like uh, no Nylander did what he did but you need more than one guy to to beat a team when they completely wipe out your you know your, your top scoring threats so it's like mm-hmm. there just needs to be that like they need to win some battles in the bottom six which they just don't right now yeah um so so let's talk about um free agent targets because that that is the difficulty. I mean, we we just talked about the big fish um, lovingly, and I think we all kind of know the reality of it. But um, like, how do you fill all of the holes that need to be filled right now with with what you have on the cap? And um, let, let's start with goaltending because um, you know we we talked about Freddie earlier. We think that ship has sailed. Uh, David Riddick is another guy who was on the roster who we didn't talk about, but I, I, I kind of think you're looking for a higher grade of goaltender than that um, to, to run with Campbell. And maybe that's ultimately what you get stuck with in, in your your salary range, but um, I think that best case scenario, you're trying to find someone a little more reliable than that. Uh, Rahef, who, 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 do you have like someone in goal that you're kind of looking at or... Um, is it just kind of a crapshoot like it is so often with goaltending? <laughs> I really like Yaroslav Halak. Um, he made, I believe, two two and a quarter last year. Right. Um, so maybe the money could work if we get him at a little bit less. Um, I think he's been very, very reliable for Boston for the last few years. Um, you know, he he's he's older. He could help um, help Campbell out in that way as well. Other than that, uh, man, goaltending really is a crapshoot. I, I don't know. I, I just yeah. – I know one of you guys mentioned before the show, Morazic. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, he had a big season last year. He's still – he's around the same age as Campbell too. So could be a, a good fit as a tandem right there. Yeah. You know, play the hot hand whenever that's one, one of the reasons. Rolling. That's one of the reasons I like the Hamak idea though too is that, I mean, going back to like – you know, his Islanders into Bruins days, like he, he, he wasn't like a 20 game goalie. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, he's playing 36, 40, 54 games. Like he's not a traditional backup. And I think, you know, without speaking for everybody, we all adore Jack Campbell and are fully, I mean, I'm like, 
he's the guy, right? But there's still like a bit of a, a you know, you can't really kind of go all in on him and go out and get a get like a like a true backup goaltender. Like you, it would be nice to have somebody that's had, you know, uh, 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 some experience playing thirty to forty to fifty games. Yeah, you can't go out and get a Curtis McElhinney to no, back up Jack Campbell no. the way that you you did with Freddie Anderson a few years ago because you just we still don't know that Jack Campbell is going to be a fifty plus game starter in the NHL. But to be fair to Jack Campbell, like outside of Vasilevsky and Hellebuck, they're like the only two goalies that I could really confidently say are like true number one goalies in the league. So like everybody's a bit of a crapshoot with with goaltending, which I think is a theme. But like yeah. Yeah, Halak and Mrazek were really the two. Or L- Laurent Brossois, I'm butchering his name right now for some <laughs> reason, but um, would be another one that I would probably have a look at. The Linus Allmark at a Buffalo. I think he'll probably get too much, won't he? Yeah, I kind of had that thought. Yeah, I, I think that there's 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 probably a team that'll be willing to try him out as like a one A exactly. kind of type. You know, that th- three and a half million. I think Chris Dreger's probably in that. Yeah, same ballpark. Yeah, I, I like the ones that the, you all suggested. Um, Halak, Mrazek. I'll, I'll throw in Antti Ranta. Um, yeah. You know, he's... He's a guy that the Leafs have been rumored to have some interest in in the past. That's right. And I know that he struggled with some injury stuff, but, like, he's also kind of that guy who could provide solid goaltending who, like, I, I don't necessarily think, um, you know, he, like, he's not like a guy like... Uh, Allmark would be viewed as, like, a threat to Campbell, I think. Like, Campbell, I mean, not that you shouldn't push him, but um, I feel like he's kind of earned the shot to, to you know, take the net rather than, you know, bring in someone. Who's- I think that's a good point, Cam. Like, cause if you're signing a guy like Allmark or even a Dreger, you're not signing that guy on a one year deal, right? Like you're, you're even a Morazic, you're probably, you're going to have to yeah. give up three, maybe even four years to, to bring that guy in. And what does that say to Jack Campbell? I think, you know, as much as you can't really baby him, that has to be a consideration as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, having Ranta and Campbell, that could be, you know, you got two guys with a history of injuries, that could be a concern. But, um, you know, if they both get running, you, you could be looking at a pretty good tandem there. What about uh, Jimmy Reimer? Johnny <laughs> Bernier? Yeah, I don't know. I, I love Reimer. As much as I would never have thought I'd say this, I probably would prefer Bernier at this point. As much as I love yeah. James Reimer. Yeah, I don't I, rank I, them, I guess, but I probably would avoid both. Yeah, I don't think I'd want Reimer any more than I'd want um, uh, Riddick, but I, I love the mm-hmm. guy. Give him a front office job. Who doesn't? Give him yeah. a front office job. I'm <laughs> yeah, for that. he can be goalie coach. Yeah, totally. Community ambassador or something. <laughs> um, so up front, obviously a few spaces that need to be filled on the wing, specifically the left side of the top six and arguably third line center, you, you know, might be something that you want to address. I don't know if you can do that in free agency or if that's more likely to be a trade route type of thing. Um, Rahef up front, um, you have any kind of targets, any desires, anyone you want to see with in the blue and white? Other than Taylor Hall. Other than Taylor Hall. I think Tyler Bertuzzi could be interesting from Detroit. Ooh, yes. Um, yeah. I think um, he could be an interesting fit for the Leafs. Besides that, I'm not really sure. Um, is Bertuzzi UFA? Is he so, UFA? He's I, been, I think he's, oh, he's got... RFA, but... Yeah, yeah so I got it. but even still, it's a third line center target. That's yeah, or third line target. And and there were rumors about that this week, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So I, yeah, I, yeah, I would love Friedman that. said that the Leafs were in on Bertuzzi uh, as recently as last season, but when they kind of realized that he wasn't going to be coming back from that back injury, they sort of had to shift their focus to someone that could help them last season, which, you know, we know how that went. I, I would love Tyler Bertuzzi. I think he would check a lot of boxes for me. Yeah, we still need some more of that fuck you element like up front and maybe still higher in the lineup. I think that was one of the reasons I was maybe a bit higher on the acquisition of Felino last season than some other people were because I thought that you know, he still had the ability to maybe bring some of that sandpaper a bit higher in the lineup than a guy like Wayne Simmons was. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is a guy that would, you know, definitely check that box off and be able to still contribute some offense. I, I, you know, you see what he's produced on some real shit Detroit teams the last couple of years. You, you throw him alongside, you know, Matthews and Mariner or Tavares and Nylander, I think you're going to get a lot out of that guy. Do you think that Jaden Schwartz could be an option or is he just going to priced out same as feels like he's gonna stay i don't know yeah guy it's been there for a while i think he would be another guy that would sort of fit that mold maybe not to the same extent as bertuzzi but definitely someone that would check a lot of those boxes as in, in terms of you know things that the leafs forward group is lacking um mikhail granland was the you know the talk of the town leading up to the trade deadline last season I think that he's definitely a guy the Leafs will be kicking tires on uh, when free agency opens. Mm-hmm. He seems like a natural fit in one of those top six wing spots, uh, especially as a guy you know that the Leafs have already been after in the past. Um, there's Brandon Saad. I think maybe his better years are behind him, and he'll probably command a contract that might be a bit more than what he's actually worth. Mm-hmm. Where are you guys at? He still has on, a bit of like a, a name value to him that like kind of yeah. suck a bit more money out of somebody. But my, my target for third line center, if they're going to go UFA is Nick, Nick Benino. I'd be, I, I think you could do a lot worse than him as your third line center. I think along with what you said earlier, Nick, about they're kind of operating in a bit of a three year window right now. So that, you know, the fact that he's 32 is an ideal but I also don't think he's going to command that much money and that much term. And I mean, he's a great defensive player. He can chip in offensive. I think he's played at a 40 point pace the last two years, kills penalties extremely well. And where where they're losing Iman, I think that's kind of an an area that might need a bit of attention. Um, Yeah. I don't know. He just seems like kind of your prototypical third line center. He maybe doesn't have that bite, that I think Nick, you've alluded to in the past that you kind of would want out of your third line center, but he's also not, he's also very good. Like he's a, he's a very good defensive center. So yeah, I don't know if if they're going to go that route and you're going to lose either Kerfoot via, um, via the expansion draft or trade, or if Kerfoot showed enough playing with Nylander to, you know, move up into a top six role where they, you know, they kind of need to, to fill in a blank there. And, Kurt, you know, you're not entering training camp as Kerfoot as your third-line center. That would be a guy that I would look at. Mm-hmm. Someone else I might – I'm not sure if Buffalo is looking to re-sign him. I know he's an RFA, so I don't know exactly how the Leafs would be able to get him. But I'd be really interested in Sam Reinhart. Yes. So, yeah, you're right after Cameron's hurt tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Sam Reinhart is an excellent player who's – kind of just been in a shitty situation in Buffalo for a very long time now. Um, and yeah, I've just always loved Sam Reinhardt. He's around, he reminds me of William Nylander. So yeah, I he, think that would be really a, interesting for the Leafs. 
guy. He's a great player. He 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 does a little bit of everything. Um, and yeah, he he was like the only guy doing anything in Buffalo for long stretches. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I would love that if if they could make that work. Um, and I'm going to throw another RFA in there. Another alumni of the 2011 Canada Winter Games, much like Sam Reinhardt, Anthony Duclair. Uh, this is a, a tournament I covered in Halifax uh, 10 years ago, Rahef, that I, I it's mm-hmm. just my crowning achievement in hockey. And I'll just always <laughs> talk about interviewing like Nathan McKinnon when he was 15. Um, Duclair. Well, that is really cool. <laughs> it, it was, it was neat. It was neat. Um, Duclair is, is a guy who I've, I've liked ever since then. Like he, he was, um, he, he's always just been like this super fast, skilled player, who has kind of never really gotten much of a fair shake? It seems wherever he goes, um, seems like kind of like kind of like an odd guy a little bit. Like uh, you know, he he did the whole thing last year where he um, you know decided to to fire his agent and represent himself, and it it didn't really work out so great. He got a, a very minor raise in in unrestricted free agency, and um, he, I believe he's an RFA. Maybe he'll get qualified. Maybe he won't. But uh, you know, possibly he'll he'll be available, and maybe he'll be a cheap. Uh, depth option I, I you know I think that there are like concerns with him like there are any guy who's like you know uh, kind of like a Galchenyuk type where it's like um, you know some some lack of discipline sometimes on the ice um, highly skilled but like not necessarily that like stereotypical guy you throw in the third line because you want those to be guys who never make mistakes or whatever right Um but I, I think that he could potentially be a guy who chips in some, some scoring in a, a depth role. And maybe, you know, he, he, for some reason, doesn't cost much, even though he's had a pretty good couple of seasons. Yeah, I've, I've always liked Duclair. I think a guy like Duclair would maybe help inject some speed back into this lineup that's kind of been lost the last couple of years. I think the Leafs have definitely like gained that reputation as being a team that's all speed and skill. And that definitely wasn't the case last season. They maybe leaned a little bit too much in the direction of, you know, the the old wily veteran. Uh, Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons definitely weren't winning too many foot races out there. Mm-hmm. Jason Spezza is not exactly blazing around the ice anymore. Yeah. A guy like Anthony Duclair in the bottom six would definitely, you know, up the speed quotient on the team. And I think that's something that they should be looking to do. Uh, this off season, get back to sort of that speed game a little bit. I'm surprised nobody brought up uh, um, uh, bunting. It's an intriguing case of free agency at a pretty young age and a pretty good season, albeit super small sample size. Like, I, I don't know. He's an intriguing case for me to watch this off season. I'm, I'm curious what kind of number he's going to get. Yeah, Michael Bunting. I, I I was figuring you were going to bring it up, Keith. So I was waiting for that for that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've had him, I've had I've had him on my on most of my armchair GM mockups just because I don't know like what the hell is he going to get? Like he's coming off a seven hundred thousand dollar contract. What did he play? How many games did he play? Um, I think it's important to note that uh, Michael Bunting is not from Newfoundland, even though it sounds like he should be. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he had nine, he, has, he had nineteen points in sixteen games this year. So, like, what the hell does that mean, right? So, like, he's not going to get a lot of money, but that's something. Like, I, I you know, be pretty curious. Oh, sorry, hang on, I said that wrong, Kim. Let's take that back. <laughs> that was his AHL numbers from this year. He I had, was going to say, holy shit, who is this guy? I have no fucking clue who Michael Bunting is. He's a to- okay, so he's a twenty-five. He's a twenty-five-year-old unrestricted free agent because of like the games played thing. 
So he's got well, like he group had, six or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly what he is. So, anyway, sorry, I'm not that thirteen points. This. this is great. This is great. Thirteen content. points in twenty. <laughs> thirteen points in twenty-one games, and if you look up his like fancy stats or whatever, like he had like a ninety-nine percentile wins above replacement on the J Fresh cards and stuff. So right. it's just like. He was very good in a very small period of time, and he's 25, and he's unrestricted. Like, I, yeah, that, that, just, that's that, a, that just doesn't happen. No, it's a very interesting case, definitely. Yeah, that's one to keep an eye on. Um, it, another one that I'm a little surprised didn't come up yet, but maybe this is, again, a situation where the price is just going to be too high. Um, but the, these are two names who have been obviously linked, um, not just because you know they've been uh, you know, front and center in the playoffs the last two years, but uh, Barclay Goodrow, uh, Blake Coleman are two depth pieces who seem like just the perfect fit for what the Leafs need. But I have to think that after you know winning back to back cups, um, the the price point is just going to be too high. And ideally, you're looking for the next Blake Coleman, the next Barclay Goodrow, and not yeah. you know the the the. A genuine article that you know is probably going to be overpriced. Yeah, you've got to get those guys when their value's at its peak, the way that you know Coleman's has been for the mm-hmm. last couple of years on what, like a one point six million dollar yeah. ticket or something like that. He's not going to be a one point six million dollar player after you know the opening day of free agency, more than likely. Isn't Goodrow under a mil? Yeah, he might have been nine hundred, but it's not even that they're like like they've been front and center yes and like they've played big roles and everything but it's also just like every time fucking somebody wants to talk about well the blue jackets got or sorry uh, the the lightning got swept by the blue jackets and they went out and they added they they, they get referred to as like the reason they won the cup like <laughs> like by every single news talk like sports radio thing it's like they got Goodrow and Coleman and everything worked out it's like no they had Kucherov and everything like, but they just they're going to have their like their values are just going to be way too disproportionate to like their contracts. I would absolutely love to have either one of those of guys course. in Toronto. I just I think that you know the the price point is going to be too high. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I mean I think we we've we've covered the forwards pretty uh pretty comprehensively. Um I mean, it's it's tough to kind of look at the defensive um, side of things until you know we know what's going to happen with the expansion draft and and who's who's left there because you know it, it seems possible that you know this is just the defense they go with and they they let Sandine kind of try to fight his way into the lineup and um, you know maybe there will be another depth signing or two but but certainly um, after ruling out Hamilton um, that's probably going to be the the defense core more or less you you go in with next season i would think maybe a, a tweak or two yeah, whether it's whether it's Dermot or hall the top four is probably in place and then sandine's definitely in and then there's better in-house options i would think yeah there's just not really a lot out there in terms of defensive depth that's going to line up with the role that the leafs will be able to offer them and the money that the Leafs are going to be able to spend uh, on that spot on the roster. I, I think that you pretty much nailed it down there, Cam. Uh, the way things stand, at least today, I think the Leafs are pretty much set on their on their defensive core, even with the depth options that they have in-house. You know, Timothy Lilligren's pushing for a spot. Watching that kid in the American League last year, he he's done with that league. Like Maybe he's not ready to make a consistent impact at the NHL level just yet. 
but I don't know what else there is for him to prove in the AHL after what I saw out of him last year. And there's guys behind him that are worthy of, you know, pushing for a depth role in the NHL as well. So I don't see the need to go out and, you know, allocate another million dollars or even like anything above league minimum really to, to another pending free agent. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I don't think the Leafs are going to necessarily um, spend a lot of money on defense at all, especially with Sandine and Lilligren. And I think when it comes to Lilligren, to your point, I think it's really time to sort of see what you have in Lilligren and commit to playing him for, you know, a number of games. Because at this point, they have to know if he can be a consistent player in their top six or not. So, I mean, I guess, like you said, it all it also depends on what happens with the expansion draft. But I would think that the Leafs wouldn't be making a big splash or really depth D much on, on defense. Maybe Zach Bogosian, like I was saying earlier. Yeah, to your point on Lilligan, I think like they either have to do that or they have to cash in the asset now. Yeah. Because if they sort of let him, you know, yeah. swander around in the American League for another year, even if he goes and has a big season there, he he's going to be a, a 22 or 23-year-old defenseman who hasn't cracked the NHL yet. And it won't matter what he's done in the American League as much as it maybe does right now. While he still has some of that, you know, potential value and upside. Once a guy reaches a certain point without cracking the NHL, that that shine is worn off. And I think if they're not going to have an NHL role for him, it's definitely time to start looking at cashing in that asset and see what he can help bring in a trade or or something like that. Yeah, if there was a you know if there's any part of the Leafs lineup you know, that you would want to run back. It would probably be the, the defense from last year. Like they're very yeah. good. And, and even through the playoffs, they were very good. So I have no issues with signing Bogosian. And even if Lilligren is, you know, let's say, you know, Bogosian's not getting any younger. He takes a step back, whatever. If he's your seventh and, and Lilligren and Sandine are both in the top six, like that's fine. Like there's a bit of competition there. There's a bit of guys pushing each other. I'm totally cool with that as a as a top seven or going into the into the the season, and then I like we've just said to like a bunch of times already. Like there there's there's a like unless uh, unless Kerfoot and Mikheyev and Engvall are all coming back next year, and I just don't see that they are. Then there's a there's a lot of plug like a lot of holes to plug up up front, and and they just can't can't be like you said, Nick like putting too much money um, into the back end when it was already one of the stronger parts of the team last year. Yeah. Um, you know, and ultimately it comes down to like we were talking about with, you know, is trying to find those, those pieces that fit. And there are a number of them that you're, you're trying to find. And it comes down to like, you have your big four, you have your core and um, like, it's not going to matter until they, do it in the playoffs and ultimately like we're, we're going to say like oh we found the right mix this time if they do figure <laughs> figure it out you know it's kind of a it's kind of a, a shitty situation but i guess it's the one they put themselves in by 
failing repeatedly. Yeah. Um, and, and it's all come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can we hit you up for another scouting report, Nick? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, tell us about William Eklund. Uh, where do you have him on your list? Uh, William Eklund is a, is a really, really fun player. He landed at number two on, on my personal list. Um, he also landed at number two on uh, our, our Dauber Prospects uh, top 100 ranking. Uh, he's just a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of similarities to another Swedish William that we'd all be pretty familiar with. Um, just outstanding vision, kind of a dual threat offensive player. You know, he can beat you in multiple ways. He can finish plays on his own. Uh, makes passes through layers. Like the vision and playmaking ability is probably the best in in this draft class. He can execute plays in tight spaces under pressure. He's really elusive. Like he's not super fast or anything like that, but but he does play with good pace. And when he's you know down on the boards and in those tight spaces in the offensive zone, he can kind of get under checks and cut back and, and lose guys like that. Uh, really deceptive player with the puck on his stick, sort of strings his moves together. Uh, really really fun player. I just think that he's probably the most purely offensive talented player in, in this in this draft and he produced against men in the Swedish Hockey League last year so he's already shown that he's able to translate his game up a level against more mature and difficult competition I, I think that some team is going to be really really happy to end up with this kid on draft day he's not going to be on the board for long how would you uh grade him on a scale from e1 to e5 i'm gonna give this kid an e5 just uh, the, <laughs> the pure uh, potential for offensive production and points if you're talking like from a, a fantasy hockey perspective you know th- this guy might be the one from this draft class and you know in terms of you know real life hockey he plays a really well-rounded game for a player his age, too. I mean, there's some things to work out defensively, but I don't think it's for lack of effort or anything like that. He's going to be a really good one. Thank you, Nick, for another scouting report. And thank you to Rahef for joining us. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I'm doing this in postscript because Rahef's recording cut short, but but she said she had fun, too. I, I swear. Uh, you can follow her at Rahef underscore Isa, and you can see her on Zone Time, which is an awesome show. Uh, find that on Yahoo Sports Canada's YouTube channel. Uh, it's up there regularly. And when we signed off, we said we would get Rahef on again. Uh, maybe we'd actually get her on for a playoff run next time after the curse is broken. But I, I would like to amend that because we want to hear from Rahef again soon. And those two things probably can't go hand in hand. So let's say we'll do it again soon and leave it at that. Uh, To take us out, we're going to hear Newfoundland folk duo quote the Raven. This is hope. Thanks for listening to Lamenting the Leafs. I get lost Running circles in my mind That's the cost Of living the dream as you and I and all our friends are growing up, some are going gray. Look at us, we haven't aged a day. Hope, I got hope. You will always be there at the end of my rope. As long as I got you to take this journey.
Be there.